This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. It's the best of your sports talk radio dial. It's around the dial. I'm your host, D.A. We're just 48 hours away from Championship Sunday in the NFL. All eyes on so many of the quarterbacks playing. In the AFC, the young up-and-coming superstar Patrick Mahomes does everything. Will the torch be passed from Tom Brady in this game to the next great quarterback in the NFL? Andy Reid seems to be a different guy this year. I think Patrick Mahomes has allowed him to try new things that his offenses have never been able to try or accomplish before. Longtime Chiefs general manager Carl Peterson built so many of those great Chiefs teams of the 90s that got so far but not far enough losing in the playoffs year after year after year. He joined 610 Sports Radio and Bob Fesco and Josh Klingler and in his mind what he's seen from Andy Reid to the sidelines with Mahomes he has never seen before. It's really cool to see yourself. We talked with Dick Vermeil earlier in the week, former players as well. Like everybody's getting behind this team. Like get to that point that we couldn't get to. It's 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 kind of cool to see everybody kind of they want the franchise, this franchise, this team, this city to experience this. Without question, and I think it begins and ends with again the Lamar Hunt Trophy. Lamar Hunt. Uh, I was so fortunate to work 20 years for I think the finest owner in all of pro sports not just the nfl the nba major league baseball nhl uh, lamar was an extraordinary visionary guy a great boss to work for and uh, one reason he was in dallas and i was in kansas city you didn't have to see your boss right <laughs> <laughs> he, he would call once a week and he'd say carl how are we doing and how can i help any any minute it was never carl what in the hell are you doing or why didn't you do this or you should have done that he didn't believe in that, and uh, I'd say, Lamar, I need you to come up early on Sunday morning to judge tailgating contests in the parking lot. I'll be there. I mean, he loved it. He was a fan from the word go, and uh, anyway, this would be terrific for, obviously, his family. For Lamar, I know he'll be looking down on us, and uh, hopefully good things will happen. You know, you mentioned that you talked to Andy Reid after all the games. What do you guys talk about? Like, what do you tell Andy? <laughs> what does he say to you? Well, it's usually a text message, and it's short. Uh, uh, like I said, I've known them a long time. If, if they played well, I let them know. If they haven't, I, I give them a little bit of encouragement. But he always gets back. I said, Andy, you don't have to do this. You're too busy. But he always gets something back, and, and uh, he's just a marvelous football coach, but but an even better human being. And, and I've, I've known him, like I said, for so long. Um, this would be great for him for his accomplishment that he's been here before he's been yep. in the super bowl as you know great career at the eagles but uh, uh the next step is to get back to the super bowl with with andy reed and the hall of fame resume that he has saved that super bowl win how important is this for him personally do you think to get back to the super bowl and win it 
Well, I think for a Hall of Fame uh, candidate, particularly coaching uh, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, it's, it's, it's exceedingly important. Um, this year there is one candidate still in the top 15 uh, that uh, Tom Flores had actually won two Super Bowls. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was a consideration too. But um, I think you need to do that. And I, you know, I'm going to make the plug here. I think obviously the guy that I worked with three times at UCLA, the Philadelphia Eagles, and we went to the Super Bowl. And then obviously uh, Kansas City Chiefs Dick Vermeil is deserving of that because he's, he's taken two different teams to the Super Bowl and yep. won one. He's taken three different teams to division championships, to playoffs, and so forth. Uh, very few coaches have ever done that. But, but uh, to win that uh, Super Bowl is, is, is a real plus for anybody's resume in, in regards to the uh, Hall of Fame. But I know that Andy's not even thinking about that. That's not his, his, his uh, character. He's, he's just uh, he's focused. He's focused on what, what, uh, what they've done to get to this point. And I know this. He has absolutely thoroughly enjoyed coaching Patrick Mahomes. I was going to say, we feel like it is, in, in a way, unlocked him a little bit this year offensively, yeah. creatively, everything that goes. You, you see that as well? In, in my 35 years in the National Football League, and I had uh, four head coaches here with the Chiefs and then uh, with Dick, obviously, and the Eagles. And that, I've never seen a head football coach during a game on more than one occasion leave the sideline when the offense comes off the field and go over and sit on the bench and talk to your young quarterback and say, what do you see? This is what I think. What about this? Uh, mentoring him right there as the head football coach. And I know that Patrick has got to really be ecstatic with that also. I mean, that type of attention. And the other part was that uh, the year with Alex Smith uh, was, was so important in his development in regards to Patrick Holmes, and he knows that. And Andy also, so it's a perfect pair, and uh, uh, hopefully it'll just carry on into uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, I think that's a good read. I think Andy Reid has been unlocked, if you will, re-energized, juiced up with Mahomes because Mahomes can just do things that, let's face it, Alex Smith could never do, and probably a lot of things that Donovan McNabb could never do, and maybe some things that nobody has ever been able to do. When you watch Mahomes on Sundays usually you leave with your jaw on the table. So one game at Frigid Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday, one game of the friendly confines, controlled conditions of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And outside of the Superdome of the streets of New Orleans, they're partying. Why? Well, because they always party. But also because their beloved Saints are in the NFC Championship game and just one step away from a second Super Bowl in the Sean Payton-Drew Brees era. Let's listen in to some live reports of the pep rally in downtown New Orleans. Let's check out WWL Radio in the Big Easy. In true Dave Cohen style, give us a flavor of the ingenuity and the innovativeness of some of the folks that are down there, and is there a lot of bling? Oh, it's funny you say that, bling, because I just walked up behind this woman. She has got shiny gold boots. How, how big are those boots? They're about, what, four inches off the ground? Four inches. All right. So you got your shiny gold boots. You got your Saints black and gold tights. You got your tutu. And what's this jacket? Tell us what's going on with all this bling. All the Saints players. So you got, you got, oh, wow. Okay, she's got 
Uh, Taysom Hill down one arm, Drew Brees down the other in bedazzled letters and numbers, Kamara, Ingram, Thomas, and Jordan's names and numbers on the back of this thing. How long did it take you to make that? About two weeks. <laughs> all right. You must be pretty confident, huh? Yes. Yes. We going all the way, baby. This woman right now just walked by. She's a black and gold unicorn with a full horse head <laughs> in all gold glitter. It's pretty wild. Uh, there, I think Scoot's probably right in his estimate that there are about 1,000 people out here. And this time they have really created a situation where people can come out here though and comfortably enjoy themselves this party's going on till 11 o'clock they've got all of the booth well, it's going to go your... past that for sure well technically they're going to shut it down at 11 i don't think the fans are just going to disappear though nah, no, uh, no, they, no. they fact, may wander in the french quarter i don't think they're going back to work in fact if you're looking <laughs> for something to do for lunchtime i would suggest you hand, uh, head on down to porger street and see where the crowd uh, serpentines too from there right Absolutely. Oh, second line's breaking out now. We got our black and gold Saints umbrellas with uh, black and gold feather boas on them now moving through the crowd. Got a guy who just held up. It's got to be an eight-foot-wide Saints helmet, apparently made out of cardboard and styrofoam. I'm not sure, what we, but he's just walking around holding that up, and everybody's cheering as he's walking by. Looks like we got a field trip here. We got a whole bunch of kids out here. Let me see if I can. Hey, kids, can we get a – listen to this, Newell. <laughs> Looks like a bunch that of is three great. and four-year-olds. Yeah, and I'm I'm just a block away, and it's killing me. I can't I can't see it because because the, the studio faces towards the river, and I can't see any of the activities. Man, it smells good too. The jambalaya they got cooking out here just smells fantastic. Oh, there you go. Okay, you, now, now you now you're really now you hitting, <laughs> hitting, below, hitting below the belt now, Dave. Chicken Cohen. fingers, Absolutely. smoothies, coffee. They're giving it all away, and they're having drawings. They're giving away tickets to the game on Sunday. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Well, Dave, yeah. thanks so much for the update. We really appreciate it. And um, hey, look, uh, at some point you do have to come back to the office. By the way, uh, I was actually <laughs> going to leave now and just go into the quarter, and I'm going to. Cover the party for the cover, rest of cover the Cover the day. party? Oh, I may man. have to taste the party. I may have to drink the party. Right. I'm not sure yet. Oh, man. Where else would you rather be? I mean, how amazing must that party be? You've got the spirit and the fun and the energy of New Orleans, plus the food and the drinks of New Orleans as well. Could you just imagine being in the middle of a Saints pep rally? Oh, and if they go to the Super Bowl, it's going to be another two weeks of this. I love a black and gold unicorn. I love a bunch of kids yelling, who dat? That's phenomenal. Deuce McAllister was one of the famed running backs of that New Orleans Saints offense in the early days of Sean Payton's run with the Saints. And he joined the guys on 92.9, the game in Atlanta, and the morning show with John and Hugh. And Deuce is pretty brutally honest about how Sean Payton handles some rivalries. You think that in order to win this game, Sonny, that – there has to the passing game has to get going, or is it more so the running game? You want to have balance. I think you want to have balance. Michael Thomas had over 211 yards last time we played these guys. They didn't have to lead. He'll be back. So, you know, I think that's a better matchup for him. Marcus Peters is a guy that can play man, but he wants to sit in zone coverage and, and jump routes, et cetera. So I think that Mike has to have a big game. I don't think he'll have that type of game again, but uh, you want to have some balance because if you can keep that offense, Gurley and CJ, off of the field and golf then at least you're going to give yourself a chance come third or fourth quarter. And, you know, the Saints, last time you played them, you were able to jump out up up, up on them, and they stormed back in the third quarter. I mean, they stormed back almost 21 points. 
So you've got to be able to have some balance and be able to hit them for some run game, but be able to control the clock as well. You know, he brought his name of Marcus Peters, and you know that he's been chirping, and you know him and Coach Payton have been going back and forth in the, in the media. Well, he's been going back and forth in the media about Coach Payton. Do you think Coach Payton's going to go after him? Because he's been a little bit of a, 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 a gangster with some of the calls that he's made over the last few weeks. Do you think that he's going to be a part of the game plan and they're going to try to uh, you know expose him a little bit? Sean Payton can be a prick. I will admit that <laughs> Sean Payton can be a, a guy that you know gets under your skin a little bit, even from a coaching standpoint. Uh, they will take calculated shots. You know, it, it, it can't be a situation where you're steady going after him. You know, I, I think if you're going to make some plays, it's probably going to be in the slot. And so, you know, there there will be calculated shots, maybe some double moves late on Marcus because he he, he likes to jump routes. And so knowing that he will sit on a route or two, but I think if you've got a chance to use a double move on him, that's what you want to do. This week, Alistair joining us on Sports Radio 92. The game, Saints and Rams, the first game up. You were on the Super Bowl winning team, but you can mention it 2009. The, the mood of the town then and, 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 you know, all the history that led up to that game versus now, how has it changed? I think it's more of an anxious feeling at this point. And, and and probably a little uncertainty, I mean, because you're confident, but you know that you're playing a really, really good team. And so uh, that's why I think that if you can find an edge, whether it's the crowd being involved in, and, 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 and causing some false starts or making the Rams have to burn a timeout or two, they're going to play a major factor in that. So I, I, it's an anxious feeling, but, you know, I think as the weekend gets closer, it's going to be the buildup as far as the excitement will definitely grow. For you for you personally, do you do you still get hyped? On game day, do you still feel it, feel it on game day being being on the other side of it now? You 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 feel it, but at the same time, there's nothing that I can do. There's not <laughs> a thing that I can do as far as to go out and affect the game. And uh, you 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 feel the excitement, you know, and you see the people; they're all excited. But from a standpoint of me being able to affect the game, I know I can't do anything. Are we allowed to say that here on Around the Dial? Can we? Are we allowed to? Sean Payton can be a prick. Okay, we're good. All right, great. So, yeah, that's a pretty good way, I think, of describing Sean Payton, especially in hyper-competitive atmospheres. And let's see, that Marcus Peters, him going back and forth, John back and forth, and Peters wanting some. Don't you just know the Saints are going to try to attack Peters? Don't you just know that Payton is up late night trying to design plays to try to get Marcus Peters to bite on something, be overly aggressive, and then take him deep? I mean, if they don't throw eight to ten times in Peters' direction, I will be shocked. Legalized sports gambling is growing more and more by the day here in the United States. And there's been plenty of media coverage about now the gambling side of things. For so long, it was taboo for the networks and other cable outlets to be discussing openly the point spreads and the lines and odds and things. But now, not really so much. But we still don't really have play-by-play guys that will cite them all that often. Al Michaels is maybe an exception to the rule. Brent Musburger was certainly an exception to the rule he joined 6-7 to the score with Dan McNeil and Danny Parkins. And Uncle Brent, none too pleased with those announcers that won't go there. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. had not thought about it much, but as I'm listening to you, it occurs to me that you and Al Michaels are the only two network top play-by-play guys I ever have heard refer to the point spread. I, I can't remember hearing Nance talk about a point spread. I haven't heard Joe Tessitore mention a spread on a Monday night this year. Brad Netzler used to, but he's not doing NFL anymore. God, a lot of guys who don't want to be big boys, apparently, Brent. Yeah, they don't. They, they don't want that phone call. They don't want to have to uh, defend the percent because, as, as Al still demonstrates, you know, it's it's certainly not the first thing he ever says on a uh, on a Sunday night broadcast. You know, he doesn't open up with the Chicago Bears are four and a half point favorite tonight over the Los Angeles Rams or who they might be playing. But but late in the game, and he especially knows that within the uh, Within the gambling community, especially when there's uh, over-under numbers at stake, as there normally are coming down the fourth quarter, Al is very aware of what that number is and when they get there or don't get there, whatever the uh, whatever the case might be. And, and he has a little fun with it, as I did uh, through the years. And, you know, uh, the uh, Republic hasn't fallen because uh, we mentioned a point spread here and there. Now, again, listen, listen, I want to point out that billions, billions of dollars, wagered on uh, professional football in this country it's a it's really an enjoyment for for a lot of people they have a, they have a lot of fun with you and i uh you guys and me we talk about it every week here uh we don't linger on it i don't as i've said repeatedly and i'm i'm sure that al would echo it it's not the most important part of a game but it is certainly part of the build-up and a legitimate part of how these sports are so these are these are huge industries we're talking about and to a large extent, especially the National Football League, they have grown and matured to the point of where they are now because of people taking a position, whether it's point spreads or just win only. I mean, you, you get into a league with, a, with win only, and you're still hard-pressed to come up with an enormous number of winners every week. It's, it's not that easy, and people enjoy it. So, uh, so be it. And uh, the CBS should not be stupid and say what they did. It's the anniversary of Super Bowl V today. Cowboys uh, lose to the Colts, yet Chuck Howley wins the MVP. Only time a player on a losing team's ever done it. Um, Seven turnovers for the winners in that game, I believe. Were Super Bowl ever played Colts and Cowboys on this day in 71? Absolutely. Were Super Bowl, uh, I just shook my head uh, watching it unfold. And 50 years ago, uh, last Saturday, the most important Super Bowl ever played. Joe Damas of the Jets picking off the uh, picking off the Baltimore Colts. But you're absolutely right. Uh, Chuck Howley, the only uh, loser ever to get the MVP, and that was the worst Super Bowl ever played. I mean, to me, I see a lot of coverage all over the place of the gambling side of sports. So I don't know if we need more of it. I don't think it really even matters if play-by-play guys will go there. When you have your phone on you at all times, it doesn't take much to know exactly what the line is if you need that information. It's not like we are waiting by the TV to say, what what's going on in this game? What's the lines? What's the information? We have all the information we need at our fingertips. 
So I'm not really with it with Brent Musburger on that one. To baseball, one of the craziest stories of recent memory is that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado still don't have jobs. I mean, we're now past the midway point of January. We are less than a, a month away from teams, pitchers, and catchers reporting, and neither one has signed. And these two guys are in the middle of their primes. These two guys in their mid to late 20s. These two guys, two of the best players in baseball, and they're free agents, and they don't have jobs yet. It's another lukewarm market for free agents across Major League Baseball. And baseball insider John Heyman joined Joe and Evan on WFAN in New York to discuss strained labor relations and a potential work stoppage. When the next collective bargaining agreement, what year is it, 2022, 2021? Yeah, two, uh, two more years we got. Can you see a potential work stoppage? Because yes, it looks I could. Like, I've you, okay. talk okay. to that. Things aren't going well. You know, obviously they did the CBA, and I think the uh, owners uh, did quite well, almost too well. Um, but I do think there's some, you know, some teams are using that luxury tax threshold as an excuse. I mean, there's no reason the Cubs have to stay below. Uh, now it's up to 206. So it's not that low now. I mean, it's up from 197 last year. So uh, it's up $9 million. But uh, the Cubs, uh, you know, they, they're printing money. Uh, they, there's no reason they need to stay below. And certainly that's true of the Dodgers as well. So uh, you know, teams may be using it as a crutch uh, to try to help their profits. But uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't an agreement that helped the players. That's the way it looks right now. So uh, they're going to they're gonna negotiate a little bit harder two years from now. And, uh, there could be a strike. I do think so. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the players, there's a couple of things I'd be fighting for. First, I'd be fighting for a salary floor. If there's going to be a luxury tax at the top, I'd want something on the floor to ensure these teams spend more. And I'd probably try to get to free agency quicker. I, I think that would certainly benefit these guys. Because, And I get why GMs would stay away from the 30-year-old free agent. I totally get it. It's like Albert Pujols. You're paying for what a guy's done, right. not the, what right. they're going to do. So my counter, if I'm Tony Clark, would be... Okay, you're you're right. Then I want my guys getting access to free agency when they're younger. It isn't fair that their ultimate big payday is when they're thirty, thirty-one, and you guys don't even want to pay them when they get there. Uh, yeah, I mean that's certainly uh, consideration. I think that would be a, a big benefit to the players to get there sooner. Uh, yep. The floor, the union has not been in favor of the floor. They don't like any constraints either way, uh, and we don't have a cap now. We just have a tax. No, system. no, no. But we have a tax. I would force yeah, the teams to pay a tax. Their taxes. Many teams are using it like a cap. Exactly. Only two right. teams went over. And the tax is not that onerous, really. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the Nats have been over twice in a row, and so they're in a little bit tougher tax situation than some others. But, um, you know, it's not crazy. It's like 50% on the first $20 million over, and it's only tax on the overage. It's not tax on, on the whole thing, of course. So tax on the overage, 50%. So if they... If they go over 206 to uh, 226, they're just taxed 50% of that 10 million, so 5 million. Uh, you know, and there aren't too many teams that are going to go past 226. There's teams uh, other than the Red Sox. Everybody's well below that. So it's not it's not that much money. It seems to be a crutch to me or an excuse uh, more than anything. So uh, I do think these teams. Um, are making money. <laughs> Revenues are high, all-time high. Uh, player salary dropped for only the fourth time in 50 years last year. So, um, for whatever reason, this 
CBA has not worked out great for the players. Well, they want a salary cap. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, the owners want a cap. But they want they, there's no Yeah, they're not going to get any more than this because this has been enough. You know, the players want to go the other way. So uh, I don't think they're going to get that cap. But, uh, is the union, let me ask you, the union at one time was probably as powerful a union as it, there ever was, there ever, you know, we had in the country. I mean, when you had Donald Fear, you know, obviously Marvin Miller in the beginning, but then Don Fear running it, they were a powerful, powerful union, and they had all the, all the leverage that was always seemed to be with the players. Is that you, not the case anymore, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I think the uh, MLB is, uh, you know, in the negotiation, they have more lawyers and more firepower, and most of them went to Harvard. And uh, you know, it's, you know, I don't. The union is a smaller group. I think they've made some changes, um, but you know, it's uh, they. The last negotiation or the last two negotiations, I think, have gone the owner's way generally, yeah. and that includes the draft and uh, signing of international players. Remember those deals for the international players we used to. Mancata got thirty million. The team got taxed, and uh, but now it's like a team can only spend five point seven five million. So there's no more thirty million dollar deals uh, for these guys. So uh, you know the teams have benefited greatly. I think in the last two uh, CBAs. Uh oh, strike looming. Man, if you're an agent out there, if you're a player out there and you haven't noticed that the last two years have been really, really slow for you, and Machado and Harper haven't signed yet, and they haven't gotten massive deals. It's not just that they're not signed. It doesn't sound like there's any massive deals yet offered to them. That's a real scary thing for players and agents, and I could absolutely see us heading to a work stoppage, which would be brutal for baseball considering how long it took them to rebound after missing the 1994 World Series. And finally, let's end on a lighter note this Friday. Comedian and impressionist Jay Farrell, longtime SNL cast member, joined the boys on Sports Radio 610 in Houston and had a couple of pretty awesome impersonations. Let's listen in. You had a long run on SNL, and I'm assuming <laughs> over the course of that, you end up impersonating a lot of people along the way. Oh, yeah, man. I've got over 200 impressions now. 200? Wow. Over 200. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So is there one that, what's the one that made perhaps the person that you were impersonating the most uh, upset? Shannon Sharp. Well, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I heard you talking yeah, about that. Yeah, he doesn't like it. I don't know why. You know, because the Thanatop impression, the way I do the Thanatop, <laughs> you know, the way I talk about backwoods and drinking cognac and Gilp, Gilp. Ain't no wrong. Gilp, Gilp. Gilp. Ain't no problem. Gilp, we can do that. Gilp. I mean, if at the bottom, some people don't like mirrors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mirrors, they, they hate them. Uh-huh. They, 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 they reveal it's just the truth. Too much they, it's, about, too, it's too much of themselves. See, I would think he'd be the kind of guy that would, because he's funny. Yeah. And he, uh, like, and he, you know, he's got an ego, but you'd feel like he's so self confident that he would actually, like, take it as flattery. He he was, I mean, he tweeted, do I really sound like that? I was like, <laughs> well, I tweeted, yes, you do. Shannon Sharp's voice in parentheses. <laughs> okay, well, now we're back. Now we're back. Well, okay. now, now, doesn't Jay-Z not like the impression? Um, No, Jay-Z loves it. He does? Okay. He was like, yo, what up, fake Jay-Z? <laughs> How long did it take yeah. to master the laugh? <laughs> huh? yeah. it took, I don't know. It took like, you know, it, it wasn't hard at all, you know, because, you know, my mom's from Brooklyn, you know, so, you know, when you have like your roots are like natural, you know, they come out. So Hope Voice was like, it wouldn't take that long. The laugh was, it was by nature. Was are, like, are you familiar with what Ed Orgeron sounds like? Uh, not particularly. We're not going to ask you to do it right now because you're a professional and it's your craft, but I just want you to take a listen to this. You turn your microphone off real quick so we can hear this. 
recruiting meeting were set. I'm looking forward to working with Coach Steele, Corey Raymond, and all the coaches on the staff. I feel like so you get the impression that this uh, guy sounds like he weighs eight bodies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a bulkier dude. He's big. It, he's a yeah. big. He's big. I, I heard it. You can hear it from the tongue. You know it. I, yeah. I, I used to be chunky, so I know. Really? I yeah. I was really? a fat kid. Not you, Jay. Yes, I don't believe really. it. Not now, but yeah. you know, back in the day, yeah, I was a little punch bucket. They played with my <laughs> punch <laughs> bucket. Oh, you got the titty twisters yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. you know oh, they man. do this and they yeah. flip it and they go woohoo and they poke your stomach. It's like I'm not Pillsbury Doughboy. I can't be the Pillsbury Doughboy. I'm black. <laughs> if you do Ed Orgeron in the South. Yeah. Uh, play him one more time. I okay, want to hear it. Turn your mic so, up real Ed quick. Ed Orgeron, LSU head coach. I'm at home and uh, just what a great tradition. I remember passing across that bridge many a times. It's taking him. I'll be at Ford Ruckers eating all the burgers. Jay <laughs> <laughs> Farrell. Just a phenomenal Shannon Sharp. Yeah, ain't no problem, Gip. We can do that, Gip. I mean, if it's a bottom, some people don't like mirrors. But, I mean, do we really need to say Ed Ogeron sounds like he's he weighs eight bodies? Eight bodies? This uh, guy sounds like he weighs eight bodies. That's a lot of bodies, Jay. We should be nicer to the best soundbite in all of college football. Gravelly, grumbly Ed Ogeron, who sounds like about 75% of the fan base that comes out and supports him. So we love him. If they expand it and ask us to go, we're going, Dan. If not, we're going to fight our butts off to be in that top four. That's the best of your sports talk for Friday, January the 18th. Enjoy the football championship Sunday, everybody, and we will see you on Monday. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 